Welcome to the Satan episode of Meet the Sockers. Wow. Are you playing this backwards to get it? <laughs> I'm telling you, there's a problem with Zencaster's soundboard. No, there's a solution. This is our new theme song. But there's nothing I can do to change it. Wow. Here we go. Let's try again. Nope. What the f- <laughs> This is amazing. We're leaving all of this in, by the way. Welcome to Meet the Sockers, the finest Satanist soccer podcast on this side of the Atlantic. We only like the Red Devils here. The <laughs> Belgian team and Manchester United. I'm and the jo- people that run Arsenal. <laughs> yes, those are definitely Satanists. I'm joined by Dark Lord Skyler. I'm trying to fix it. Like, I want to fix it. I want to understand. <laughs> we paid We paid good harm fiber money for this song. We don't want it to... We're gonna have to put the song in. Maybe we'll just do the song as an outro, and we'll have to no, put it in. No, but post. like, but like, I just clicked the button, so like, I, I don't know what they expect of the user. Like, well, you needed to click it with more of a flicking wrist motion, yeah. like your. I, I was gonna ask, how did you click the button? Like, like it's this about, for the users that's at home. Wrong. I'm pushing. I'm pushing my finger straight down, like very deliberately. <laughs> That's how you know that you'll screw something up on the computer is when you're so worried that you're going to screw something up that you're actually trying to type like a robot. That's when you will never get your password correct. Like you'll definitely get locked out. You need to type your password like you couldn't give less of a shit. You got to have a little bit of swag to it. of just like, of course, I know my password, bitch. Oh, oh, you guys, you guys trying to hack me don't know my password yet. Like you're almost just (laughs) like, what's taking you so long, baby? Yeah, right. I say that, but like if my little like the password saver thing that I use, if it doesn't automatically say like, here you go, here's your password you forgot, Jeff, I panic. Like, come on, Chrome. Is the extension not on? Have you ever been hacked before? (sighs) Oh, God. I was hoping that if I just never thought about it, then I would avoid it. Like it would be, but I guess that's not how problems work. No, I don't think so. Um, (laughs) Although I bet you I have in the sense that like, what's that site? If you go to like, uh, you got pwned or did you get pwned yeah. or whatever? Yeah, I'm sure, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm sure I've been hacked. In fact, one time I know like my Bank of America account got hacked, but they like caught it right away. So nothing happened except it was Valentine's Day. I was in the little Italy part of Baltimore, whatever that's called. And I got my card, my one and only card rejected during my Valentine's Day date. Um, and to have the girlfriend pay for that, but that was not a good look on V Day of all. I'm so sorry. I just got four me- four Slack messages from work, and they're like, "Let's jump on a Zoom right now." And I'm like, nah, "I'm recording. Bro. I'm recording a professional soccer podcast. Not that we do it professionally, <laughs> yeah, but that yeah. it's about it's professional about professional soccer. soccer. It's just assistant to the regional manager." But I'm I'm so sorry. That was so rude of me. But it's, I needed to be like, hey, I can't. I'm recording something right now. Why can't we schedule things like people? But, but I think like, I think it was fair though. I think that you were zoning out during my ramble at the exact time that our audience would be zoning out. So it's good that you brought us back to the conversation because I was just going off the rails. No, nothing was holding me. Let's ask our audience. Hey, hey, people who are friends with Jeff or Skylar, uh, yes. was that boring? <laughs> yes, <laughs> if it was boring for Quite you, boring. it's it's going to be even more boring for a total stranger. Yeah, podcasts are like improv in that the performers themselves are having the most fun, and the audience has like an asymptotal level of relationship to that level of fun. The audience is never having a better time than the improvisers or the podcasters. 
Right, but and but don't you think at the end of all that time, even though it was one way communication, like we feel like we're buddies now with like John Gabris or whoever the comedian is, Neil Brennan, whoever's hosted the podcast, because True. we've just got had half of a conversation with them for two hours a week. Exactly for a year and then you meet them outside of their comedy show and then like it's all weird when they don't know anything about you and you're like I see I've never met them outside of the comedy show so to me we just still actually are friends the friendship is going great like but you have you met your heroes like have they not lived up to their I have met some of my heroes and like people people surprise you and people don't surprise you like yeah I, I, that's good i know nobody I listens to this i don't i don't want to name names you know i don't want to i don't want to burn any bridges in hollywood right you got, uh, you got your whole <laughs> career ahead of you bud but let's just say a seasoned 30 plus a year career comedian that like was doing hbo specials in the 90s mm-hmm. like ice ice cold like unapproachable the way you think that like oprah wouldn't want to talk to like a peasant Oh, like yeah. anyone around her that's not a part of her universe. Like it felt like that. And you and can't like, tell me who this person is. <laughs> You're worried that t- our significant you, viewers. I mean, let's let's just say it was a, a stand-up <laughs> comedian. If you're starting with let's just say, but go on. Their name rhymes with Manda Trikes. It could be anyone. Okay, Manda Trikes. She does have It was Chelsea Peretti. Yeah, <laughs> you have to say it with an Italian accent, the original pronunciation, and it rhymes with Wanda Sykes and Manda Trikes. I mean, I don't know who that, that name is you just said, but it, I mean, it could be her. <laughs> but then, like, Fortune Feimster, who is just such a big goofball, you're like, okay, now now that the illusion's been ruined, I'm like, who's Fortune Feimster? And Fortune Feimster is nicer than you think could even be possible. Like... I'm like upset that I didn't meet Fortune Feimster under different circumstances because we could have been buddies and like I wow. could have had like this hilarious, wonderful, jovial, jovial? warm, like someone who's like wow. comedy jovial. is like not a weapon. The That's tough because is- I think most people that are funny, they get that way because they've had to either like deal with something or like sometimes they just have to deal with themselves. You know, but like, I feel like most people that I know that are truly funny, they have a warped personality and sometimes it comes out for the good (laughs) and other times, dot, dot, dot. Well, when you realize that like comedy, it could be like a knife that you use to like to cut things or it could be like a piece of bread that you share, which is getting very Christian. I'm sorry, but like, wow, it it could be a good metaphor. I think I used to do the knife thing because I was so used to defending myself and I had like multiple friends, Brian, yeah. Brian from, from college improv group, you know, I'm talking about you who like pulled me aside and were like, you don't have to do that. Like it can be very much like a big table. And it took yeah. me years, years for that to actually be something that I was oh, able for sure. to. I think, I think every male goes through a phase of like trying to, I don't know, trying to bust on everybody around them, like break balls. And like, that's how you show that you're, you know, not afraid to be there, but it actually shows the exact opposite. Like if you do, if you try too hard to do it and it's not, it doesn't naturally, you know, work. But yeah, it, that happens to everybody. When do you, when do you think is like the time in your life when you as a damaged comedic person should like come to that realization or is it or is it like everyone's a snowflake and Mm. 
That's true. I mean, yeah, I, man. I do. I think, think it's a when you're thirty, I think by the time you're thirty, you should know that like <laughs> jokes can point. be hurtful. Well, because it depends on what you mean. Like, if you mean in terms of like maximizing the quality of your life, then you should probably come to terms with it early and like deal with it in a way that it doesn't metastasize and become something awful. But I do think that there are some people where they they hit it just right, and their dysfunctional personality becomes hilarious. And then they're they're able to like save that hilariousness even later when they become a better person. Like they still have, I don't know, they still have this sensibility that they can like turn on and off. But it's not them anymore. I don't know. Maybe that's- this this we could go. We could probably go two hours just debating like comedy and toxic masculinity. And then by the end, we'll be like, "All right, did you watch the matches over the weekend?" Right. <laughs> Did you watch the matches? And then we just talk about like the book that we read last week. Yeah. Now that yeah, then that would be, but that that would that's kind that of would connect doing. to the Ronaldo episode where yeah. we started being like, this is going to be comedy. Now let's go to <laughs> sexual assault and yeah. heroes. Let's talk about perhaps the darkest well, crime in the human experience. What What do you want to do this week, Jeff? So. I did, because last week I realized we didn't really cover any ground, and maybe that's what this, we have no idea what this podcast would be, by the way, so maybe, like, that's what this podcast, will we'll just talk until we fixate on one issue, like, you know, like one news story written 10 years ago about a player that just transferred into a club, so perfect example last week, or maybe, you know, we'll talk about a bunch of things. So this week, I feel like there's a bunch of stuff to talk about, okay. so we'll just see... We'll see how this goes. But, but I wrote down but a few it, things that we might want to talk about. I like I'm a professional football <laughs> podcaster. <laughs> I, li- I like where you're taking this, Jeff, because I think you have discipline that I don't. Like the discipline to think ahead. Yeah. Um, yeah, a lot of people say that about me, like character, discipline, integrity, things that you lack, but I... I think yeah. you're also the Cobra Kai Jim uh, badge <laughs> logo as well, which is what, like, be, be, cause fear, be strong. I don't know. But... But I also <laughs> like I like that this podcast isn't trying to like do like a weekend rundown. I think that's the thing that no matter yeah. what, I think we shouldn't do because we won't do. We the won't best do a good job at it. No, and that that podcast I've actually I've done that podcast or helped someone with that podcast, and that podcast takes a ton of work. This podcast takes less work and just relies on really the grace of God and a few other graces. But that's that's why I feel like those podcasts. They they all have to be like community or not community. They have to be like full time podcasting organizations to have the right. staff to like and the time and focus to do all that. So right, hit, hit me hit me with with just with like Jeff's. our very professional football podcasting um, podcast uh, podcasting podcast. So first thing I wrote down, I was trying to be generous, start with a man U topic, but I feel like this will probably be on your mind. <laughs> Why wasn't Ronaldo getting any calls this weekend? Did you see that? So, yes, I did see it. And I saw articles came out afterwards that were like, you know, every different pundit who steps out of the closet is just like, he at least deserved one, if not two. Wait, so these are but, only pundits who come out as gay? Oh, is that no, what you no, meant? sorry. It's, they're, not, they're not the obvious ones. They're like former footballers who suddenly okay. have an opinion this week. Okay. Um, coming out of the woodwork was what you're looking for. Coming out of the closet yeah. means something differently, but okay, different. Yes. Jeff, I, w- when I have stream of conscious, you're going to need to correct and replace <laughs> words like. By like the way, there was never game. a point where I wasn't following you. I just wanted to mess with you because I have I don't know low self. No, I know. Go on. At the end of this podcast, you want the the scoreboard for who has said the most sort of cancelable things to be me. <laughs> 
a number, you less than that number. Yes. Yeah. It's like drinking at work. You can all, it doesn't matter how much you're drinking. It just matters that someone is doing it worse than you. Yes. Exactly. As long as you're not first place in the the drinking at work, you're fine. Now I know why you're so quick. It's the same with cancelable offenses on a podcast. No one will remember what you say if your co-host is worse. When I said, hey, Jeff, do you want to do a podcast? You were like, I don't know, with you? And then I was like, yeah. And you were like, oh, absolutely then. I was like, okay. (laughs) That's easy. All right. So Ronaldo calls. I feel like I've, by virtue of being friends with so many Arsenal fans over the years, and like Mm -hmm. a lot of my closest friends being Arsenal fans, even... You know, half of the matches I've gotten to attend in the UK were were Arsenal matches, just because that was a what we're we were London, close to yeah. in London, and B that was where the, the the planner of the trip wanted to go. We still went to Old Trafford, but like, so I'm used to having to compartmentalize a bit and not being the most the loudest fan voice. Like, I've been, I think, kind of humble as a United fan for the last decade, considering where we were and where we are. So mm-hmm. all of this is context for like when I see, uh, you know, a, a 50-50 penalty get called, I feel like more than often it goes our way. But then I feel like when I notice that like the team isn't running on all cylinders, they will try to manufacture those things. Yeah. Uh, and I don't mean the refs diving. or the players. The players like United United's experienced players. Like normally it's like Bruno. Yeah, they're trying to get a call. Pogba even a little bit Rashford Martial because they're they're also talented enough to earn penalties but right. but when they're skill. trying to get it as like almost like a get out of jail card in in the moment when they're not cracking down a team that's got 9 or 10 guys back yeah um i do sometimes feel like they try to get into the box and then they try to like have a drag a, a tangle of legs yeah. happen which i'm not saying they're throwing themselves down which when i see that like i hear i see yeah. like that's true there's a difference between a dive and like a legitimate attempt to get fouled yeah like one is one is a a a a thing that just happens and the fact that both players end up on the ground isn't a crime and the other is like i'm going to just lie about what happened and i'm gonna roll around clutching my eyes or whatever that like i i feel like honestly i love the the ankle eye connection that you find footballers (laughs) seem to have it's, there's a nerve that runs the length from the <laughs> ocular cavity to the feet. Yep, that's um, basic reflexology. But I don't, I don't think Ronaldo was diving. But I think I saw him trying to position himself for yeah. a penalty. And in my eyes, that doesn't mean it's not a penalty. I just wasn't feeling particularly right. sympathetic. I will say because, like, if if your body language says I'm looking for a call, refs really don't like that. i especially like because a lot of those. You know, like there's a whole class of penalty that wouldn't like if if it happened or it's a class of non penalty, actually, that if it happened at midfield, of course, it would be a foul because you know it's, what I mean? it's harmless to give it and to move on. at right. midfield. Well, but like and it's also one of those things where like you're enforcing the literal rule where it's like, yep, you did kind of get fouled and it affected the play. So, OK, you get the ball back. But you like, I don't know. Is it just me or do does every ref know you're not allowed to call all of those as real penalties because it would just script the game too much? Well, also, it doesn't help them when the definition for what's a penalty, what's a handball, what's an offsides call has changed like every year for the past three years. And like if I'm an old 65 year old ref, like I'm trying to keep up, but like yeah. whatever. So, th- so there's that. But then there's also the like the if you think about a, um, like an American jury. 
Like if, if everyone in the jury already knows about the defendant for the case, that that's like a, an unfair yeah. trial. And I kind of feel like Ronaldo has this reputation, of course, the reputation where I guess people look at him as both a savant, like a, like a master, but also like an entitled guy. So yeah. when he falls to the ground and personally feels like he has been wronged, it's like his look isn't even one of like, he's not screaming at the ref. He's not like flipping out. He's just looking so he's like, kind of bemused, can you believe, bemused. Yeah, <sighs> can you, can you believe these mortals not understand? Like, and it does feel that way. And I wonder if refs are immune to it. I do think, I think that that is absolutely the case that like refs, they almost hold him to a higher bar because they know that he likes to like, if he can get fouled, he'll get fouled. And I think he's used to getting calls. Like he's used to getting like the Michael Jordan treatment somewhat in Spain and Italy. Whereas like, I was thinking about this this week and I'm like, is there, I mean, he's like we said before, he's probably the best football player ever. It's either him or Messi, like boring debate, dot, dot, dot. Like, what other best possible best player of all time can't buy a call like in the, in the way that he can't? Because I feel like in England, they really hold him to a very high standard. Well, you got to wonder if Messi came to the Premier League, would he have a similar situation where the Premier League's just more physical? So there's a little bit yeah. more like get the fuck on with it that mm-hmm. then you see even in Europe, which we could also talk about Aaron Juan Basaka's red card, which was totally a red card. But, like, you're definitely getting that as a red card in the Champions League or Europa League, but you're 50-50 getting at a red card in the in the EPL. It's, like, inconsistency mm. from country to country. Um, it does. Like, what you were saying, though, about, like, changing the rules all the time, I think, like, when it comes to, like, basic challenges, I think that the average fan of football, like, almost 99% of them have no idea what the actual rule is for a red because you always see like the debate is always something like well he got the ball well that doesn't matter actually what matters is this yeah but it's in slow you know it's like it it never it never gets focused you know is it reckless endangerment is it a specific contact of a specific body part and another specific body part like tackle from behind you get two-footed challenge studs up you get um like anything where it's like you tried to cheat to stop a goal or to score a goal. Yeah. All those things are clear, but it's the like things that feel like slide tackles where these athletes are just operating at such tiny margins. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like Aaron Wambasaka would have been on time to make that challenge for 99% of all of the top athletes. But right. yet in this case he wasn't. And in that case, it's like you're getting, you're getting kicked out of the match and you're missing the next match, if not the next two, depending upon, I guess, the competition. Because of an accident? I get that for when it's, like, an intentional, I was a bad boy. But, like, right. if it's an accident and it just looked bad, like, you're, that punishment is, like, a double jeopardy. Yeah. I mean, it's weird. It's, like, it, I'll say this. It's, like, the, the thing that makes you want to leave it in is, like, part of what makes soccer great is they've been playing it more or less the same way for a very long time. And it's like, it's a part of the, it's a tradition of the game. But like, if you were, if you had just invented the idea of like, let's kick the ball into goals. Like, let's have that be the game. There's no way that you would design this red card system, right? Like it's a silly way to officiate a game. It's very old school. It's very harsh. I mean, it's like soccer. 
It should be like if you do something small, you, see, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you go stand over in this box for X number of minutes and your team has a temporary disadvantage. For yeah. any, I think that would make it more interesting. And then it's, oh, you've done one of the following three things which are unforgivable and you're sent off and your team is at. Like, right. Because like I mean, every, every sport has ejections, but soccer has way more than any other sport in terms of quantity because like it, it's you got to really try to get ejected from like an NBA game or something. You know what I mean? And you'll never make an NHL team play the rest of the match with four guys. No. Like, the yeah, thing no, it's, this. it's a very, it's a harsh and like, I mean, it, it ruins so many games, it's, but it also, it would feel wrong to get rid of it. Like I hear myself saying how dumb it is, right. but it's like, well, <laughs> but it's a part we, of the game. It's hard. It's hard to say any which way we could actually positively improve football other than I guess removing political money from it is kind of like the and like yeah like putting some laws around the greed that's the only thing i can think of because the game is great even when it's boring yeah. it's great because boring matches are foreplay for great matches true as an arsenal I, fan yeah we, <laughs> i've been in constant foreplay for the last several years um, do you want to do you want to talk about what it was like watching that one nil victory i i will say it was kind of it was kind of nerve wracking because, I mean, the one goal we had was a free kick. So it's a bit of a, I don't know, like on some level, when I when your team is not producing goals from open play, even if you get a result, you're still nervous. You know what I mean? So like we're not really working the ball offensively out the way I want us to. But I have to say it was a nervy game and I was for sure because like so there was also another sort of controversial call in the Arsenal game that it got reversed by VAR, which never happens for us. We are like, so I actually, I looked up this stat. You're the worst I'm at prof- VAR? I, because I'm a professional football podcaster, I looked up this stat. And so last year, Arsenal, on and when it came to VAR, we were down six goals because of VAR. Like we had a net loss of six goals due to VAR. Yesterday, we got one back because Ramsdale went in from the sort of 60-foot view of the camera. It looked like it probably would be a pen, but he did kind of get the ball, and he just did like a little toe poke, and it's the goalies sort of, I don't know. The goalies get a little more slack in the box, I think, which is another unofficial rule that everyone knows. <laughs> I thought you just meant with you. Like, you're like, <laughs> I'm more, I'm personally more forgiving to goalies. <laughs> I give him some slack. <laughs> no, um, but so he didn't get sent off and they didn't get the penalty. So we end up, we hang on one nil. I, so I have the whole, by the way, that stat that I have, I have, the, I have it for the whole league. Would you want to wager? Yes. Well, where's you United wager, but where, what do you, do you think United ended up in the plus top five. In the minus? Top five. I think United ended up top five for VAR overturns in their favor. I would Net. guess that I would guess that because I feel like, my opinion of VAR is better than anyone else's, so I must I must have been screwed by it less. Is my mm. my justification? Well, because this is interesting, because this plays in with something else you said that really like stood out to me a second ago. Is that like you said something along the lines of like I expect the officiating to go a bit in our favor because we're united, which like is so funny because as an Arsenal fan, I totally expect the opposite. I totally think everybody's out to get us. And I, on some level, whether or not, I don't know if they really are out to get us, but it does seem like we, 
like we will often be the team that has given up the most penalties. Are we the roughest team in the league or like something like that where it's like, no, you does the seem like there's a bit of a bias. Center backs. You've had the slowest oldest center backs right. for yeah, yeah. a decade. And like so a lot of those, it's penalties. like, I wouldn't even argue the individual penalties with you where I'm like, oh, it happened to be correct. But it's like, it, it's a bit unlucky that we're, you know, that we've had this many David Luiz's, you know, or whatever. Well, if the thing I'm saying isn't true for United, how do we explain the idea of Fergie time? So Sir Alex I think it's true for United too, but I thought that's because I'm a biased opposing fan who thinks, oh, you guys get everything. I mean, grass is always greener. Two things can be true, Jeff. Uh, That's true. It it could be very... (laughs) but, But so this is what I'll say. I feel like Fergie time was a thing because if we were tying or losing and we were at home, like you would just see like five, six minutes sometimes come back for stoppage time where like the officiating really does think this team deserves a chance to whatever. And I'm wondering if that's just human beings being swayed by the collective chanting and screaming of 70,000 other human beings. Well, because it's that. Because I do think that you have a pretty good home field advantage where Arsenal has like a mediocre one. Like we're sort of famous for having like the whatever what are they called like the prawn sandwich brigade of like there's like a lot of just like rich london people that go to the game and so we have like a few sections that are crazy but a lot of it's not i do think that you guys benefit from that and then the other thing that i was going to say and this doesn't apply to you now as much but it certainly did when you had fergie is like working the ref as unsportsmanlike as it is that is a (laughs) skill that coaches have and And fergie was one of the all-time greats at working the ref like he Vanger, paid so, not so many much. fees, so many fines for for talking about refs in a nasty way because they didn't give him a decision that he wanted, yeah. and maybe that didn't help him that match. But you got to wonder, like years of bill build up around that. Like if you're a ref and Manchester United, you're like, fuck, I don't want Sir Alex Ferguson to rip me a new one to the newspaper. Well, like, I really thing, don't. Because even even like beyond like the press conference stuff, like wasn't he just the kind of coach where he was always on the ref? Like, oh come on. Brian like he knows their names and he's like and he's actually like very knowledgeable about the rules so he can argue it intelligently enough that it's intimidating to them like he struck me as that kind of coach and he's Scottish some some say he still is some say he still is (laughs) some say no there is like there's there's Scottish that's like an old mold of like 80s culture coaches are like the Scottish coach whose dad was like a drill sergeant or something. And they just, you know, like we have one in Arsenal too. Like George Graham was kind of like, I don't know what the equivalent United coaches. He's just, he was, he's just, he was a big the, coach for us. He's the token guy that you've got in the coaching staff to say the C word. Like you need a guy who's just like the C word proclaimer. Right. <laughs> just that, call you. For some candy boys. You need a guy <laughs> that can say candy. You guys are a bunch of consistent performers. We're going to listen to a bunch of country music on the bus. <laughs> now, we yeah. don't want anyone to think that we approve of that word. We, we just approve not. of intimating it. We do not approve of the word country music. We can talk we about approve- it, but don't ever play it. God. But but you, you have to admit, that's like kind of the best part of like Roy Kent is that they just stopped just shy with his, <laughs> when they're writing his character on Ted Lasso. They're yeah. like, let's make him Roy motherfucking... Uh, all right, change it a little. <laughs> <laughs> um, so anyway, you were guessing that Manchester oh, yeah, United I think, was plus I think five. In, I think they were in the top five of whatever the ranking is for for benefiting from yeah. VAR. 
I would have guessed that too because I'm, you guys are just famous for like having things go your way. But um, you guys are only you're kind of right in the middle. I'm not going to count, but if I had to guess, I'd say you're 11th. Um, uh, they so did not it's like Arsenal and United are switching. So, Ar- so Arsenal are bottom, the absolute bottom, tied with Liverpool and West Brom. Liverpool is surprising. Um, Man- Manchester United is zero, about middle of the table. And then Who the is ones luckiest? That- the luckiest were Burnley and Everton were joint luckiest. Chelsea that and Fulham. weird. Because you, you can't think of a mathematical explanation for those two. Like, yeah. it's not, like, like, I understand if we were luckier, yes, it's a little bit of the, you know, intimidation or, you know, quiet bias. Mm-hmm. But also, I would say if you're a ref who's not a fan of United, if anything, there is a bias against United with some yeah, refs. I was going to say, have, like, it's probably double-edged for a lot of the big it teams. It is. Oh, for for sure. But I think that Burnley, I'm thinking like, what is it about their team that would elicit that in 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 this sample yeah. size of data? Like they're but just kind is, of like it, a that's direct the thing. physical You said team. the word because the sample size is small enough that there is just a lot of luck involved. If this I were mean, COVID, we wouldn't have enough data to to make yeah. a suggestion one way or the other. <laughs> like maybe still eat bats. I don't know. <laughs> Jury's yeah. out. Arsenal is the I- ivermectin of. <laughs> Oh man, I'm not sure how to take that. No, um, isn't that the next the next thing on your list of to do things for this episode is like let's make an EPL pharma comparison. <laughs> that was not that was not on the outline, but you know, like you said, it's not written in stone. Um, that, was these, yeah, that was interesting that you brought that up. Yeah, that was good that I brought that up. I'm just I'm just giving you a little nugget of positive feedback of Thank reinforcement, you. so everyone can know I'm not just an ass to you. <laughs> Speaking of things that I'm bringing up, um, De Gea, pretty big penalty save in your game. Pretty, pretty big. big is pretty crazy considering he's only pretty, let them in. Like he's big. only David De Gea as a top level goalie that at one point was was like the most valued goalie in the world for for a few year period. Right. For him to never ha- that's like John Stamos finding out what a first kiss is like at fifty. <laughs> that's a great metaphor You're like john stamos how but the weird thing about the hair like because he hasn't like you only face so many penalties because you're united and you get all the calls as we put you know but they practice them like when you practice you have your first team keeper in there practicing all the same right so like even if you only get a few opportunities like let's say that the over the course of 38 matches played i know that that's not going to be it but like let's say he experiences 10 penalties in that time, 10 to 12 penalties. Right. He has allowed 12 out of 12 every year since yeah, he has no. been on our club. Um, <laughs> I was surprised to see that. Cause like, I still think of him as like a very good goalkeeper. And I feel like he's always producing these like kind of highlight real saves. Like, I don't know. Is he a decent goalkeeper? He's a great shot stopper. That's the main thing he's good at is shot stopping because uh, Dean Henderson is better at distribution. He's better mm. at claiming crosses. He's better at leading a defense, even though he's much younger. Like he's better at all things. But David De Gea is like in like old soccer simulators, like Championship Manager. If you ever played that on your computer? Like I've spent like a percentage of my life playing soccer simulators, which is sad to say. But like. Because it definitely designed some pretty good teams that won the Champions 
Cup, not Champions League, 10 times back-to-back on FIFA, but I have not played that particular simulation. But, like, look up... If you can, try to find, like, one of the 90s ones. It'll be, like, a one megabyte download, but it's... And, like, you'll be playing with, like, I don't know, Gattuso in midfield, or... I mean, I don't know which team you'd pick, but but one of those goal... One of the interesting goalie characteristics that you could give it a certain amount of points to was eccentricity. Hmm. And I always thought that was weird until I watched highlights of, of uh, Peter Schmeichel. And this is a goalie who, when you look at him, is like, yeah, he's a big Dane, but he doesn't look like much of an athlete. Like he doesn't look like mm. someone who worshiped the gym. He just looks like a normal guy, but he, for a period was the best keeper in the world because I think he would just do weird shit that would save the ball in like unexpected ways. Like they just weren't expecting him to be in a certain place. Yeah, like he like he's like Abed from Community. Like it's like a bit of like goalkeeping uh what's the what's the right way to say it? I don't want to say on the spectrum. I know there's like a a new a term for a atypical like mental processing or something. Oh, like well, Abed is like uh like Asperger's, right? He might be full on. He might have autism in the show. Um But is, but- is Asperger's I don't know. Asperger's, I think, at this point, is like the Bud Light of the autism spectrum. It's natty. You know better than I do. Just from listening to all the Dan Harmon stuff I've listened to, he's the unofficial uh, source, both having written the show community and considering himself on the spectrum. But the point is that, like, that can make you a good goalie, too, but it also makes you unpredictable in a lot of the situations where you need to just do consistent things. Right. Well, yeah, and so, like the, that inconsistency is going to come in streaks that like make or break your season. Whereas if you are if you are PSG, I think you're feeling pretty comfortable about your goalie for the next ten years with uh, Donnarumma, who's mm-hmm. just consistently great at everything at a young age. Right. Like he doesn't have any of De Gea's like, wow, he can do all these things, but can you believe he can't walk quickly? Like you know, like something yeah, something yeah, that yeah. would be very. Um, What's the word? Achilles like? Yeah. Well, that's like, it's it. like so, horrible. I mean, with everything that you were saying about the hey uh, kind of leads me to the next thing on my uh, on my outline here, which is um, you know Arsenal just bought this goalie over the summer from Sheffield United, Ramsdale, and it was pretty much universally hated at like among the fans. We we're like, we already yeah. have Leno. <laughs> Why are you spending thirty million on this guy who is like? not a great goalie for Sheffield United. Um, and then it was not confusing. O- it was certainly and, confusing. Well, and then not only was that confusing, but then basically as soon as he has been eligible to play, so like two matches in a row now, he's just walked into the team and taken Leno's spot without a fight. And he was man of the match this weekend. And, and it kind of blows my mind because Leno is a better shot stopper than him. Because, what are you laughing at? You know, this- I'm trying to stop some shots. <laughs> have you ever, what, have you have you heard of this new uh, goalie Aaron Ramsdale coming to take my job? Coming to <laughs> think he can step into my spot in in in, in late night. It's a spot on Jay Burnt Leno. <laughs> this was one of our jokes from the test episode that was a great joke surrounded by a horrible episode. Yeah. <laughs> So we're just we're just gonna have some inside jokes. <laughs> Even our podcast audience isn't on the inside of this one's for the ladies. <laughs> but no, but no, it's very strange. And there was like right. there were rumors this summer that Leno was gonna be gone 
which I thought was crazy because I'm like, he's under contract for a while. He's like young and a good goalie. Why would we do that? But now I think, I guess he's gone. Like he's not just going to sit here and be our like plan B forever. He's gone now. Leno. I think, saying, I think in the next. You're saying cancel this contract or you're suggesting that like over the winter break they'll no, no. I think I think or... that I just think he will find a transfer away in the next window or by the summer at the end. Because if he, if he's lost his job, which it looks like he has, like. And, just, like, and it's all and it's interest. very interesting because he's he's much better of a, of a goalie in the things that fans think of when they think of goalies, which is saving shots. But what Ramsdale can do, and the two games that Ramsdale started, we've won. The two games that Leno started, we lost. I know that's a crude stat, but there's something to be said for that. Is he can he can play defense in a different way than Leno can, and he can also. But the main thing, he can just distribute the ball, and it's so valuable. And I kind of after seeing it in practice, I'm like even if he stops like five less shots per year than Leno, it's worth it. If we're starting on a fast break every time he gets the ball, you know? Yeah. But, but also if Leno is someone that at this point, like he's still, as far as I know, a good goalie, it just feels like he just like mentally and emotionally isn't into it. And goalie is one of those. He's had to play behind Arsenal's back four for the. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. Yes. But, but aren't, but I, Goalie is one of those positions in this game that to me feels like it could have the most impact based yeah. on how you're doing mentally or emotionally. Cause like you could be a striker who could still accidentally score a goal and you're the hero, even if you were not up for it today. Yeah. But if you're a goalie, all you need to do is fuck up one time because yeah, your mind yeah, yeah. is wandering or you were distracted or you're just not, or you didn't die for it because you weren't feeling like, and you, and you are the, the headline on the newspaper tomorrow and it throws gasoline on the fire. So if, like I kind of understand if you're a goalie and you need a change of scenery, you, I think that that's I, I understand that. Like that's what I thought was yeah. happening to De Gea until I guess a couple matches yeah. ago when he got good again. I was gonna say because like I mean honestly I I feel like I've gone through this time warp with United where I'm like I really didn't think Gunner was gonna last long and I really didn't think De Gea like De Gea was like in God form like three or four years ago. Wait, now. Gunner, you mean you mean Solshar? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know Gunner. Yes. You know his middle name. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have any other gunners on your team? No. <laughs> it would be if he was managing Arsenal. That would be a bit on the nose to go from Arson to Gunner. But well, it's like so. So we're we're the Red Devils. Your team is a bunch of Satan worshippers. But then you're the Gunners, and we've got a bunch of guys who believe in Second Amendment rights. Yeah, that makes sense. We're cute together. The Glazers have definitely given like a ton of money to the NRA, haven't they? Well, let's not. Let's save that for its own episode. I bet the Gronkies <laughs> have too, to be fair. Um, but yeah, no, I'm I'm very surprised that he's walked in and and like I don't know. He's he's also this probably hasn't made it outside of Arsenal Twitter yet. I'd be surprised if you were aware of this, but he's developing this reputation as like like kind of like a. Uh, like a Rashford or a John Cena where like, he's always showing up at the hospital beds of cancer patients and like giving jerseys to like children who have had a bad day. And like, I don't know. He's just, he just, he's, he's like super involved in the community and just seems like the nicest dude. And I don't know. He seems to be betting down real well. So in, in my head movies, when you said he's like a Rashford and then like my family, a family guy cut away to like giving a small child like a bag lunch and you were like, or a John Cena. And I cut immediately to like power bomb, bitch. Yeah. <laughs> John Cena has two sides to him. He's either giving a child a bag lunch or power bombing someone. Or it's putting someone in a body bag lunch. Yeah. 
Which is weird that it's still a, a Or he's lunch. being pretty funny, but not that funny in that Amy Schumer movie. He does another he's, thing. He's like Mark Wahlberg when budget is lower. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You do you notice on film, like when you see like the giant version of John Cena versus Mark Wahlberg, you're like, oh, I get the difference. I see. One it. of them is one of them is more jacked, and one of them has a funnier accent. <laughs> yeah. Wahlberg is handsomer than Cena is. Cena is in great shape, but he's not like he, he still has a potato face, basically. Right. It's just it's just perfectly lean and veiny. Have you seen his face? <laughs> I've seen. Well, no, you can't see him. That's the joke. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I was very surprised by that goalkeeper thing. Um, all right. And that brings us to the final bullet on my very official outline. Hi, Rachel. That's actually Ava, who should be in bed. I don't know why what? she's out here. I just I saw an told arm. You I was podcasting. I um, just saw an arm, and I thought it was Rachel. It'll be weird for my kids to wake up with memories of like, remember when Dad said we had to stay in bed because he was podcasting? <laughs> and it turned out he was actually podcasting. Gross. Yeah. What? Uh, <laughs> it wasn't an what excuse to save us as children. Um, this is the most generic question ever, and I can't believe we didn't get it to it in the first week, but how do you think United's going to do this year? I think they're going to finish in the top four. I think all it takes is one midfield injury and we suck. Ooh, that's kind of... That's it? One. I mean, we just Pogba had... or just any of like... Well, we... All right, so we've beaten Leeds without having a good midfield, and we just barely edged out West Ham getting McTominay back from groin surgery. He basically took like a week and a half and was in the starting lineup after groin surgery. Wow. Like, I can't imagine if I got, I guess, punched in the balls, I don't think I'd do anything for a week at least. <laughs> so, I, like, I I don't know. Like, we have, we have embarrassing attacking depth. Our defense finally looks like really good. It's the middle of the park. The middle. We're probably like, yeah, we're like a, we're like 10 or 11 down the Premier League table for how functional our midfield is. Because you have talent. It's just, a, like, you just have it. Pogba's midfield... playing on, like, the left wing. When Pogba's been getting all these assists, he's been basically temporarily taking over Rashford's role. And then it's oh, Fred wow. McTominay in the middle, and both of them are just running around putting out fires. But hmm. neither one of them is, like, Conte. Neither one of them's, like, a Conte-level master firefighter. Uh... So we we need like a good night. Sorry, we need like a an indeedy, an someone that's like all I know is how to win the ball back and give it to someone else, and yeah. I'm, I'm like a vacuum for that yeah. part of the pitch, and then we would be champions. Like honestly, that's the wow. difference between winning the league or finishing. I'm I'm gonna say on this podcast that we will finish third. Really? Oh, that's to Chelsea exactly and City. what I was gonna say for Man U, and I was gonna say like on a normal year. I feel like you guys are, depending on how it goes, but like if people sort of have the seasons that they're capable of, I think that in a normal year, you guys could win the league with this team. But I just think this year, year, there's a few teams that have that. So your odds of winning it like, but it wouldn't, if you did win the league, I wouldn't be totally shocked at all. But with the way that this league is, if you guys like had to claw your way into the champions league to get that fourth place trophy, the Arsene Wenger Memorial, a lot I would, would have gone wrong. A lot yes, would have gone wrong, but, but it's it, like possible. I wouldn't. It, that would also not totally surprise me with this team because it's like you said. There's like certain, I don't know, certain weak spots in terms of depth 
if not quality, that like. It, I, but it, honestly, it, Jeff, it's just the midfield. Yeah, and like also, you feel like you could you could lose two forwards and you'd be fine. Marcus Rashford's been out with shoulder surgery the whole time. Like he got shoulder sh- shoulder surgery right after the Euros ended and is out till October. Martial yeah. has not been himself for a whole year. Yeah. Um, Sancho had, had came a little bit late to training, but then like hasn't really done that much yet, and we've been okay without him. So that's already yeah. showing you like. To, is to there any found- panic about him? Because I feel I mean that was a no. big signing. If Everybody's cool. Only- if he was the only signing, there would be. But the fact that Ronaldo has come in and just basically scored every game he has played, yeah. it means yeah. that like Sancho Sancho can take half a season figuring out how much faster and more physical this league is than the Bundesliga, which it is. Yeah. So like I think it'll be good for him long term and long term he'll be fine. Yeah. Uh, I still think it's a very good signing for sure. But that's but, but, I mean but, but the- Sorry, do you guys, do you guys get toxic quickly on players like that? At, at Arsenal, we were toxic on Pepe by game three. Like, that's how toxic the base has become. I, I don't know. I don't know what's fair to say. I think there's three ways United fans go toxic. One is if it's clear they just don't have the talent, and it was like a, a total mistake, like Dan James. Like, Dan James works his, his butt off. He lost his father a few weeks before transferring to United. He scored a couple of goals in the early on that were great. Mm-hmm. After that, he revealed himself to be a championship tier player. Right. And and so everyone was like, why is he keep getting game time when I'd rather a youth player who's maybe going to achieve the same amount, but who could get better, who's got more of a future, like give it to them. So I get that. What I don't get is, the and I'm going to ruin this episode, but like a fraction of United's fans, and I would say a fraction of every team's fans, are just so racist when any black player, really? or player oh, of yeah. color does something wrong. Like, they just get a little like, less slack? It's not even that. They get fucking destroyed on their social media, like really? messages. Yeah. Chat, like, yeah. Well, like, look Seasca at how... this summer, you know? like Yeah, but that's the thing. I, had, I got that Ted Lasso shirt that was like uh, Marcus, Jaden, and Bukayo. And I, and I and there's so many knockoffs on the internet. You can just get one. It's easy. But, yeah. <laughs> but like that that shirt was created in as a response to just like three nineteen to twenty two year olds who stepped up to take do or die penalty kick. Yeah. Like, in the in the final, <laughs> like okay, With, they what's his them. name? Uh, Chiellini or what's that like old scary defender who was putting like hexes on them? <laughs> Do you remember that? He was like literally doing like these yeah. weird like Italian voodoo chants. I'm I'm from New Jersey, Jeff. That does not affect <laughs> yeah. me at all. My life my life was getting. They've already through. maxed out your capacity. Your tolerance for Italian voodoo is so. They've used every every voodoo chant on me already, but but I think that. That's that's the thing. I it's like yeah. If you don't have the talent, sure. It's it's like if you don't have the talent, I hope that you just find another club where you can play week in week out and be loved. Like I don't think right. people deserve permanent hate. Phil Jones, who you might remember, because he Phil Jones was playing when you started following soccer. <laughs> he's still playing. <laughs> he's not even thirty yet, but he's been on Few the guys shelf. Like that. Did have you re- heard or seen any of the like hate around it? Like he's due a testimonial for playing a decade for United where they have a friendly over the summer and all of the benefits either are a windfall for the player who's retiring or it goes to the charity of their choosing, but it's like an honor. Yeah. And 
Phil Jones said, I don't want to have a testimonial. I don't think anyone would show up. And honestly, reading that and then reading about how incredibly awful his injuries were. Like he was just walking around with no cartilage. They had to drill holes in his knees to try and re-trigger cartilage growth. And like every time he'd work back from like a year injury recover, some other thing would happen. And I don't think I ever had empathy for that because in the back of my mind, you yeah. only see this, you only see those little headlines and I'm just like, oh, Phil Jones, he's just like made of glass or whatever. And like, that's as mean as I would get, but I'd write him off. But then everyone else, he's like the butt of a joke. And it's because his body is like, yeah, not cooperating and killing him. And like, like once Jack I read that thing about his, yeah, like I'm going to make this a sad soccer pod- podcast every yeah. fucking month we do this. <laughs> but like, if Phil Jones, if Phil Jones heard anything, like he doesn't have to be my favorite player for me to be like, you know what? He's sac- he is he is broken because he gave his body every time he played and it just is right. really hard to, to hold up. And it's like we can't blame him for not being like an immortal Rocky from the movie Rocky. Like I don't I don't like rest I hope I hope he can either rest or I hope he's healthy enough to find a level that he's comfortable at, that he won't be like so heavily scrutinized. Like if he has to play yeah. in the championship, but get like three or four years of just like enjoying playing at a pretty high level. Like I don't want him to spend the rest of his life. Like, like, is it, if you're Phil Jones, is there any more playing for enjoyment left? Like I get the feeling some of these guys, they're like ballerinas or something where it's like their life is pain. Like Kashelny was like that where like he, I mean, he was a great central defender for a few years there. And, but I mean, at the end he was just, like he was playing on like non-mobile Achilles and things. Like right. he, he was just like, I can't imagine. Like I think as a guy who gen- only does it for fun, I can't. Can you imagine playing ninety minutes of a soccer game without being able to like bend your heel the way that they? Can you? But, but can you imagine being someone that like Sir Alice Ferguson like heralded as the next like Steve Irwin or whatever he said about him? Yeah, and then half of your career you're injured. It's like, all right, so here's a metaphor that takes it away from soccer. I'm a very, I'm a loving sweetheart, Jeff. You know this. I I'm, I'm a, a hopeless romantic. And of course. I hope I hope you feel properly courted. But, but like, so I'm 35. And I had this view of myself as like, oh, I thought I'd be married by now. I thought I'd have like mm. the American dream. I thought I've had the, you know, the two white picket fences mm-hmm. and the, <laughs> and the, and the, and the kid outside. I, I uh, no, but I thought I'd have that, and now I'm 35, and I've just sort of been comfortable being single for a while for my own reasons. But shit, doesn't that thought creep into my head? At like, could the world's most loving, <laughs> hopeless romantic be spending his whole career not doing the thing that he feels? Okay, so- wow, you, I can't believe you actually came around to make a point because I really was <laughs> like, where are you going with this? But I see where you're going. You're saying you're the Phil Jones of love. Oh, well, I don't want to, I don't know. I was more trying to make Phil Jones feel better. I don't want to be okay. the, the subject of the sentence because I'm, I feel fine. I don't feel like my, my love cartilage is ruined. I feel like I just have been waiting for the right club to play for. <laughs> it's a, uh, it's not the best metaphor to find a happy metaphor in it, but I remember being joyful as a, as a young person dating, being on Blackburn Rovers. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh... And, and then I went to United and it broke me. And call for the and, big time. And then. No, but I, 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 like, I just want him to be happy doing this yeah. thing that he's spent. His, he's dedicated his whole life to it. And your ballerina metaphor isn't 
wrong, but for every black swan, I feel like there are some people who just don't get to do it as much as they wish they could have. And they're held yeah. back by injuries that aren't, sure. that aren't givens. There's so many like injuries and so many other factors. Like, like we always judge players by what they did, but I think there's always like a lot of them where they're like things outside of their control dictate what they could do. Whereas like, you know, the same player given two different coaching setups, which they don't always have control over, you know, guys all the time will go in as a, you know, there's a big transfer push. Some manager who's about to lose his job. They, he gets five guys in, then he loses his job. And now you got to play Emery ball or, you know what I mean? Or it's like, maybe that works for you. And maybe it doesn't like buy Ozil. You know what I mean? Like stuff like that happens all the time. Like, I feel like there's another version of the timeline where Ozil just stayed at Real Madrid and became like everyone sort of like, oh yeah, he's the best assist guy. Like he could have done I that. I don't think that would have happened. I think he was a ticking time bomb. Whenever you have a player who, who there are two types of people, those who are like, if I'm not being challenged, yeah, I'm done here. For, like I don't care about money. I care about like the the interaction between right. me and this sport or activity I love. Right. And then there are other people that are like, man, I had the cushiest job ever. They don't ask shit of me. Um, and I feel like the best players are always going to be in that first camp where it's like, if I'm not a part of plans, if I'm not, if, Somewhat, this is, yeah. if I'm not important here, if I'm not putting my neck on the line every match, then this isn't worth it. I'm not that I'm not getting the most out of my short time in this in this field. Yeah. And I and I feel like Ozil, like he I'm seemed sorry pretty to say content it. to like collect a check for two years of like going to practice and not playing in games. He seemed okay with it. And as did Gareth Bale. And like there are some of these players that it's like they're being advised that like the money and what they're getting out of it is more important than the challenging of themselves. Like the yeah. fact that you have some players who and I get I get you have a strict diet during the season and, and the season just keeps getting bigger and bigger and longer and longer. And when can people just be people? But like some of these players, especially, you know, not to not to generalize, but many of our Brazilian superstars, like you see Neymar coming back from the holiday and Neymar puts on like the amount of weight that I did in the beginning of COVID. Like, yeah. and, and when like, but my, my moneymaker is knock on glass, my brain. So like, it's okay if I put on 10, 15 pounds and then have to struggle with losing it again. But like when you you're put 10 or 15 pounds on your brain though, that would not be okay. I think that would go really poorly for you. I, my head is just lopsided and hanging over the side of the microphone. You're um, too smart now. <laughs> you're I'm, a I'm monster, like a, but gosh, you're smart. I'm like a villain who needs to use his brain to come up with other like robo soldiers because I can't do the fighting against <laughs> Batman and like, but, hmm. but with Ozil and, and Bale to me, it's like, they feel like they just like married rich effectively is what their career path has been. And that makes me bummed out because they both are full of so talent. So, yeah. so much talent. I don't know. I mean, I know o- Ozil is just such a strange player. He's like, we could, we should do an episode at one point where we just talk about him. Cause he, he legitimately at times looks like the best midfielder who's ever played the game at times. And he also at times looks like he's killing the team in a way that like almost no one is capable. Like it's, it, it takes a lot to be noticeably bad. Like once you're at a certain level, right? Like it does if you're playing, but if you're playing and you're saying, I'm going to do the things that I think I'm great at that also happen to come naturally to me, no sweat off my back. But then when it comes to the things that the team needs me to do that are the eating my vegetables part of my role, which might be tracking back or hustling when you lose the ball or, or like really like, 
I don't know, coming all the way back to midfield to receive it if 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 you're if the ball's not reaching you. Like I don't think Oza will do those things because it's like the same reason Pogba's not trying to be a better defensive midfielder so he can play in a pivot. It's because mm. he wants to do the things he enjoys and he doesn't want to do it's as an advertising writer, it's I'm only gonna work on TV scripts and it doesn't bother me if the client has asked for banners, but I'm not writing. Right. Wow, yeah. suddenly it's real for the both <laughs> for the both of us. No, I think that there is a lot of truth to that. And I think like some it's it's interesting because I think some some of the players that I think have the best careers have the opposite attitude of that, which is sort of ironic, but like they're not just t- trying to take care of themselves. Like I've seen multiple midfielders that are like they're really number 10s, but they've forced themselves to become, you know, to sit back and like to actually play some D and, Paul and like, some of them can do it. Like, yeah, like Cazorla, he went from being like the what maybe the best 10 in the Premier League for like a year or two to being a really solid at like five foot five, like a really solid defensive midfielder who could like get the ball upfield, you know, to Ozil. But that is a sacrifice that you make when you say, I don't care as much about what I want. I'll do what the coach thinks I could do to help the team best. And that's Wayne Rooney. Yeah. Being like, I'm no longer a striker. Now I'm an attacking midfielder. Now I'm a central. Like he finished his career as a center mid for for Derby. Darby, Derby, Darby, Derby. So wait, you thought that that was him being selfless? Because I kind of, maybe it was, but I, for whatever reason, thought that was him being like, guys, I'm kind of slow. Can I have a position where I like don't have to be as, but you, can you know be, what I mean? You can be a slow striker. Like yeah. Tim, or what's his name? Not Tim Sherwood. Um, wow, this is revealing my, more of my weekend stoner brain still being in effect. But like United has had some 40 year old guys like yeah that, that, that don't depend on speed. And he could have tried to do that. But instead he's like, I can pass in a way that helps the team better. Right. I just, I want to be valuable. Like I, that's what matters. It's like, I don't need to be the, the, the hero. I just want to be valuable. I want to help. Right. I want to have a net positive impact. And for, for all of Wayne Rooney's mental and emotional and personal problems of which I'm sure there are many, yeah. I feel like sacrificing for the team is in his old in his later years became a strength when maybe in the beginning it was a weakness. But he does strike me as a guy who really just wants to freaking win the game, like on a level because, like, I think that's something that's different between like him and Ronaldo is that, like, if you told Ronaldo you can have a hat trick in every game for the rest of your life, but you're gonna like win some and lose some, I think he would take that because he'd be like, yeah, if I have a hat trick in every game, I'll be the best that ever played. Whereas like. I think that would be tough for Rooney because I think I think Rooney would rather like have no goals and no assists and a yellow card if they win. You know what I mean? Like I, I would I would agree with you, but I would also say the reality of Rooney's decline has maybe impacted his point of view in a way that Ronaldo has yet to have to confront that. Like, yeah, he's changed from a pacey winger to a goal scorer, but he's gone from being the best at one thing to the best at another thing. Whereas right. Rooney was Rooney at age and he's 30. he's still quite fast and very, can jump out of the stadium. Like, yeah, he's Ro- still got Rooney physical was... gifts that Rooney never had. Or no, Rooney had them, but Rooney did not take care of himself the way that Ronaldo has. Like Rooney was having a pint all the time. And Ronaldo is like, this chicken breast is too fatty for me. Yeah, no, there is. There's a lot to that. Although, but I, I That's do part not of winning, think that though. Rooney, even on his best day, I don't think he was like, jumping up and getting those 11 foot tall headers that Ronaldo goes after. Well, no, cause he's my height, but like 
he was a, he was like the football he was very player fast, as a bulldog. Yeah, yeah, he was, yeah. He was he was he was this terrifying bulldog. Um, he was like English Alexi Sanchez. <laughs> no, we Arsenal Alexi Sanchez, not Man United. Please, Can't believe that it's just come up now. Arsenal. <laughs> Before we sign off, how do you think Arsenal is going to do this year? All right, so I would say Arsenal getting relegated is an unlikely outcome, even because I think even if you won one out of every three matches and the rest of them were yeah. shit shows, I still think you'd win enough to stay up. Because what do you need to stay up, really? Like 20 points or something? No, you need like 30s. 30. Think, early 30s, like 31, 32, 33, I'm guessing, because the league I has gotten better right. and the league has gotten more competitive. But right. I think if you have an interested Obama Yang by the end of the year, I think you guys will finish in the like in like the Spurs range. The like oh. I think you'll finish somewhere between like eighth and twelfth is my guess. Eighth you think that's like, where Spurs is going to be this year, eighth and twelfth? Yeah, I think that that initial Nuno Espirito Santo Santi. I'm sorry, I don't speak Portuguese religious oh, names, but but like. I feel like they got a bit of a bounce in the beginning, but he's still the same boring manager who like made wolves intolerable to watch. So like, I don't think he's going to suddenly poach out Spurs or pop. Like, let's just say we're going to pronounce all these names to the best of our abilities. And we're going to make fun of ourselves when we're insecure about it. But (laughs) sorry, I don't know. Pochettino. Yeah. I was trying to say like, or pocket Pochettino. Like you hear British. People yeah, yeah, say yeah. it differently, even amongst themselves. So. Is, is he? He's Argentinian Italian, is that right? Correct. Ar- well, Ar- I thought he's just one of those Argentine names that sounds like, all right, you're from Argentina and Europe. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, no, they have a bunch of, like, you know, dual passport holders and that kind of thing. Um, hmm. Yeah. I, I buy that. I. I so you, you th- if you had to put a number on it, you'd say if, if you're saying around Spurs, you think we're in that eight to twelve range as well. That's my guess. Also, because there have been so many mid-table clubs that have really been impressive lately. Like West Ham has been impressive for a while now. Even though we just yeah. beat them, it felt like they that could was a, have. It was a very in. close game. They gave you all you could handle. Like if they had in Antonia, if like if all players on both teams were fit, I still think we win. But if they're fully fit and we're not, I think they win. Yeah, and. I think that you could say the same for like Leicester is not going away. Leicester is too well run a club. They're really good, aren't they? Uh, um, Everton, like I'd love to. I don't want to say I know how Everton's going to go every year. Everton is a Birdie Bot's jelly bean. Yeah, where you like this could taste like means. cotton candy. It's oh. a Harry Potter <laughs> jelly. Bean. This could taste like, like cotton jelly candy, belly. or it could taste like fear. Like <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's Everton every year. Like, they'll spend a lot of money, and they'll be like, wow, they could really challenge, or they could be a sitcom. Everton, I worry that Everton is the trajectory that Arsenal is going down in general, where it's like, it's a club that is kind of big and always willing to make, like, ill-advised gestures to show how big we are, of like, we'll buy a Wobie for 40 million. Like, we have the money. And it's like, you, you might don't... be right, though. You, But you might be right, because this decades Everton is last decades Newcastle right and that's so that's two examples you've got to show you that no 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 not it's not like every big club is guaranteed to bounce back like and no. that's 
for sure. You, you, you need a, the money to keep coming in and then rolling out, which is going to be a topic for another day, but then you need football people to be making football decisions. Good, yeah. good football people. And that's, that's I'm not sure thing we're doing club. a great job at either of those two things that clubs right. need to do. But yeah, that's another, that's also another podcast. I think whew, it's weird. I mean, we started so poorly. If you, if you lose the first two games. Oh, I thought you meant the podcast. <laughs> yeah. Well, that too. But uh, hold on, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> now we're ending poorly as well. I see. Um, <laughs> if you, if you start as poorly as we did, if you lose the first two games, I think you, or was it first? No, first three games. Then no team that has done that has finished in the top four. So I think that puts us, it puts us in a bad position, obviously. Like, but I think, I think if we stay reasonably healthy, because there's a few guys that Arteta's whole plan sort of seems to center around, like Ramsdale and Party. I think if we, if we have a few players that stay, yeah, exactly. If they stay healthy, I think that we could be one of the top four teams in the league like at a given time, right? You know what I mean? Like by the end of the season, we might be one of the teams you least want to play. And that sort that, of... That's already the case. No like, matter how shitty Arsenal is doing, like I... It was like... The, it was right before COVID. I was visiting New York City for a wedding and it was Arsenal United. And I was like, all right, I need to go watch this. I don't know where I'd watch it. I'm not, I can't watch it in my hotel room. So I went to some bar in Fort Greene, mm-hmm. watched it. And we should have crushed you, and Arsenal won two nothing, and it was like pathetic to watch. Yeah, but like I feel like you have that ability. Like no matter how bad you're doing, both both so clubs like a weird. Can, yeah, yeah, yeah. The big rivalries, like both clubs, will take it. Will be pretending the other team is the glory days version of them, and they will come out. Right. Yeah. No, it brings out a special energy in it. But yeah. So all that said, I think that we could, I think we could end up being a good team, but we've put our foot in the bucket so much to start with. I think we'll, I think we'll be, I'm going to give it an optimistic sixth. That Whereas is optimistic. I think you guys will be like, you're a dream. You're a dream. And I don't want to, I don't want to make you feel bad for dreaming about scraping into the Europa League. I feel like I you've got that, to build like, that would be, If we get into the Europa League, I would consider that a pretty like successful season this year. Cause it's like, all right, we're not completely screwed. And then you get like one more year of the Arteta experience. And if he can do it, okay. And if not, then I think that might be his last year. I think your your goal should be even short, smaller than that. And it should be, I want Arsenal to play well five matches in a row. Yeah. Like if, that, if, 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 if he's capable of eliciting that from them, then it's capable of happening again. But to yeah. date, it feels like every win has been followed by a tie or a loss. Which well, is, I, mean, I can yeah. relate to that. It's like our wins, like, I don't know. I think on XG, Burnley had us. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it was Which like close. But it's like, yeah, it's like, I don't like, because this is something that I was like defending Wenger till the bitter end on, where it's like, he was underperforming his like XG. And like, you'd look at the stat line, like, God, we had 18 shots and we only had one goal and they had six shots and they got a goal, like that kind of thing. And like, I realized that that, you know, that does not paint the perfect picture of the game, but it was happening so consistently that I was like, guys, I think that he's actually still good. He's just like, he's going through a bad run. Whereas like the Arteta teams, like we'll lose one nil to a team or two nil to a team like Brentford. And, but then you look at the underlying like statistics and stuff and you're like, I don't think that that was undeserved for them. Like two nil was just a possibility today. And like, how is that a thing for us? But yeah, 
in conclusion, I don't know what we're going to do, but I'm going <laughs> to guess hi and jinx it like an idiot. Hi, my name is Jeff, and I guess over the last two years, I've learned how uncertain things are. <laughs> yeah. I've learned that maybe there isn't an arc of fate, and maybe my life is not a blessing from above. It's almost like life is random chaos, and everything can can yeah. apply to, to that lesson if you learn it. Um, I met an old it, Chinese man who was a Leeds United fan uh, when I was living in Hong Kong, and I think about that guy all the time because like he's a guy who fell in love with Leeds when they were just like stomping the world and no one could imagine a reality where they weren't going to be Leeds effing united you know and then now he he has to like dude now now he has to try to figure out what carrier has like championship games in Asia like (laughs) like imagine that can't even go to the pub and watch it like like, yeah, what, I've been a New England Revolution fan, Jeff. I know how it feels <laughs> to not to, to just have to believe that your team even exists somewhere. Yeah. I believe that All Arsenal right. exists somewhere. Well, that makes one of us. I, <laughs> <laughs> I I think, Jeff, I think we're getting to that time where I'm going to... This is about that time. I'm going to say I'm bored, but mostly it's that I'm anxious. Put on our thinking. satanic theme song. Well, I want to hear the Dark go. Lord being summoned. If it goes normal this time, should I just let it play in all its glory? Yes. All right, here we go. Later. Peace. It's not going to be normal, Skyler. Listen to me, Skyler. You're going to have a cheerful little podcast. Your podcast is going to be metal. <laughs> I clicked it again. It was too much. Like, Stalker I, podcast. I'm, I'm going to maybe delete it from the soundboard and re-add it for next time. But I'm so sorry to the people that made that song because they're so talented. Yes. And this is Zencast. their legacy. It was a great score that they composed for us. All right. Bye. Bye. <laughs>